Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you a really awesome and amazing episode of the podcast, which, um, not that all of them previous to this one haven't been amazing, but this is a, a new type that I've, I've done. It's a, it's a cobbling together of, of three different interviews, uh, about 20 to 25 minutes each. Uh, so actually might be putting me under the normal time I come in on a, on a podcast. So, hey, bonus. Um, but yeah, this is the first of what will probably be three or four. Um, the number kind of changes depending, but I know at least three are coming out of this, uh, podcast having to do, uh, specifically with the Femme Magnifique Kickstarter, which you can still find. It still needs some, uh, some love and funding, and I encourage you all to go and try it. Not try it, uh, go fund it. <laughs> you know, you know how Kickstarter works at this point, um, I would hope. So, uh, yeah, I was able to get in contact with the editors and uh, Shelley Bond, who you will hear a lot about in these interviews, who is just an amazing lady, and I will be meeting her at Emerald City, and it's going to be awesome from what I hear. Uh, the champagne will be a flowing. Um, so Shelley put me in contact with a lot of the creators, uh, and on this particular podcast, you will be listening to Christina Rice, Tess Fowler, and Cecil Castellucci. So, uh, one, one thing to keep in mind when, uh, Tess Fowler's, uh, interview comes up, it was recorded on my phone in a style, I not in a style, but just, I haven't really done many, you know, using your phone to record and then transferring over. So, um, it's very quiet on my part. Um, I just could not seem to find where the actual microphone was on my own phone, which should tell you everything you need to know about me and technology. Um, the very fact that I'm even getting a podcast out to you, uh, is a miracle. So, uh, just keep that in mind. You, uh, Tess is coming in loud and clear, uh, just based on how the phone was recording it. But, uh, I promise you, you know, you're not missing much if you don't hear me. You know, she's, she's, she's amazing. So uh, they're all amazing, quite frankly. Um, but I gush. So, uh, I am really proud and happy to present to you episode 83 of the, uh, That Girl with the Curls podcast that is all about, uh, Femme Magnifique and, uh, look for the, the others as they roll in. Donnez-moi une suite au Ritz, je n'en veux pas des bijoux de chez Chanel, je n'en veux pas. Donnez-moi une limousine, j'en ferai quoi Offrez-moi du personnel, j'en ferai quoi Un manoir à Neuchâtel, ce n'est pas pour moi. Offrez-moi la tour Eiffel, j'en ferai Having me. Excellent. Um, and uh, the reason for this uh, lovely little interview is that you are participating in an anthology called uh, Femme Mag Magnifique. I have to make sure I get that right every time. Um, and uh, so you're involved as a writer, correct? Correct. Yes, I am a writer. Excellent. Uh, yes, uh, I was looking up. I was like, oh my god, she is the ponies. The My Little Ponies. Uh, yay, ponies! Yay, yes. Ponies. <laughs> Um, so to just kind of start off the, uh, start off the question, sorry, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little tired right now. That's fair. Um, so I guess, why don't you, uh, inform people, uh, how you got involved with Femme Magnifique? Yeah, so my, my husband 
husband, um, Joshua Hale Fialkov, is also a comic book writer, and he he found out about the project somehow. I'm not even exactly sure how he found out about it, but as soon as he heard about it and heard what it was, um, he immediately thought of me, uh, and and he got in contact with Shelley and said, you know, you should really contact my wife about this. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, she she took him up on his offer and, and got in touch with me, and uh, here we are now. Yeah, I mean, was it something that when he kind of broached it to you, you were like immediately on board, or I mean, is it is is there always kind of a little bit of hesitation getting involved with anthologies, or, or is this your first go at one? No, it's actually not my first go. I did um, a couple of years back. There was a book called Colonial Comics, and mm. so um, that was actually the first um, comic I ever wrote. And I it, it was, I did a thing about like sixteenth century schoolhouses it's very strange um but no i i you know i i have an interest in um like i've always been a big history buff mm-hmm. and you know particularly uh, women so i do like i do like to focus on women and i do like learning about women who maybe aren't as well known and i actually wrote a full length biography of a 1930s 40s actress Anne Dvorak that was published about three years ago so um you know and she's maybe not as well known as some of the other um, Hollywood actors of that time. So um, kind of these lesser known or not as well sung about um, historical women are, are you know, something that's very near and dear to me. So which is why uh, my husband immediately thought of me and there was no hesitation. I was, I, I pitched, actually pitched Shelly quite a few. <laughs> Here, I can't just pitch you three. Here's like six. So. It's like, I have a whole list and uh... I have, yeah, I have a whole anthology in me. <laughs> there we go. It's like, I don't even need other people. I got this. No, don't worry about done. it. Yeah, done. No, no problem. The I'm next playing. anthology that comes out is like, no, it's all by me. Ha <laughs> ha. I could do it. There you go. See? I mean, as long as you, like, dream big. Just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> go for the gusto. What, um, what was it that, what, what drew you to uh, Anna Dvorak? Um, you know, I saw her, God, this was, ugh, I hate to say it now, over over 20 years ago now, um, I saw her in a movie, a 19, great, this 1932 pre-code film called Three on a Match, mm-hmm. and it's this wild, wild movie, it's 63 minutes long, um, Humphrey Bogart and Betty Davis are in it, but it's Anne that just absolutely walks off with the movie, mm-hmm. and she plays a well-to-do, um, society wife who gets bored and throws it all away for drugs and hot sex with Lyle Talbot and she's she's amazing like you do and oh it's fantastic <laughs> and I just I saw her in some other films and was just t- really quite taken with her and couldn't understand why she hadn't been a bigger star and after a couple of years um I tried to find out information about her and couldn't find so much and just finally said you know what if nobody's gonna write her story then it may as well be me and then, like, 15 years later, the book came out. Very good. No, I mean, because I saw that you're, because you're also a librarian um, as well. Yeah. Um, as it, as an archivist, I can, uh, relate to, uh, the, the plight of someone wanting to like do a lot of research on someone who might not be as well known or, you know, delving into kind of historical material like that. So, uh, I understand where you're coming from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and obviously I'm a librarian and an archivist, so I'm also just a a research junkie. Mm. And so, and, and proved to be you know she she fulfilled a lot of facets of my personality i'm also a compulsive collector <laughs> and because nobody knew about her or cared that much about her um i found out you know 
20 years ago that I could collect original movie memorabilia on her. Mm-hmm. And so that, that appealed to my, you know, defective collector gene. <laughs> so, so I've been, I've been collecting. So now I have over 2000 photos of her. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, so that's, I mean, that's cool. Question mark. Are you, you're okay with this? <laughs> Yeah, photos don't take up a lot of room, so yeah, it's fine. Okay, good. <laughs> I wasn't sure if someone was like, we're calling hoarders, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's all, I'm an archivist, it's all very, it's all very well organized, mm-hmm. and no, it hasn't, no, um, no, my husband has not left me yet, being no. a man, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you then. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Got a good one. <laughs> Um, I was actually, because when I saw that you'd written that book, um, have you ever, there's a, there's one that I'd picked up a while ago that's called a go West young women. Um, and it's about like the early days of Hollywood and how women were really involved in, uh, the early, uh, Hollywood system. Uh, yeah. I've not, I've heard of that one. I have not read that one. It's on my very long to read list. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also along that same vein, there was a, a biography of Francis Marion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also included a lot of other women of early Hollywood. Um, but yeah, they, they had, a, they, they played huge roles in Hollywood, especially as, you know, scenarioists and screenwriters, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. And they were saying, I think it was, it was what the fatty Arbuckle, uh, controversy, you know, the, uh, his whole deal that kind of, um, ruined it for women in general in Hollywood for a long time. Yeah. I think that might've had something to do with it. Also, I think when, when the talkies came in and the studio started recruiting a lot of playwrights from the East and, mm. the, and the playwrights were largely male. Yeah. So I think that, that, that played a role in it as well. Way to go East coast. Lots Ugh. of factors. I know. It's like, man, you just ruined it for the rest of us. <laughs> You're just like, eh, sigh. <laughs> um, so I, I guess in terms of uh, Femme Magnifique, uh, who was your yeah. inspiration for the story that you've written? Yeah, so um, so the, the, the lady that I, I ended up going with, is um, her name is Agnes Aggie Underwood, mm-hmm. and she was a reporter here in Los Angeles for a couple of local newspapers, and then she ended up being the city desk editor for the Los Angeles Herald for um, almost 20 years, and so she was one of, she wasn't the first, but she was one of the first women to hold that position for a major metropolitan newspaper, and she's just, she's just fascinating. She's kind of like, um, I think in many respects, like Rosalind Russell's character in His Girl Friday, mm-hmm. but in real life, no. just, you know, <laughs> just, you know, super, super quick and super talented and just, you know, you know, in a profession that was largely dominated by men at the time, we're talking like thirties, forties when she was a reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just had the respect of, of everyone here in Los Angeles. And she really you know, be- became a legend. And, you know, I think a lot of people here in Los Angeles who are the, of the LA history buff type know who she is, but I think at large, she's not quite as well known. Mm-hmm. And, and she's just really, she's a fascinating Dame. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said Dame. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she was, she really was. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's interesting because women uh, of that time period, because there is that there's that cadence that the movies kind of brought us, like how we imagine people spoke back then. You know, yeah. it's that that really quick back and forth that I, re- I remember watching the Hudsucker Proxy one time and just being like, "Wow, we are playing this up to the nines, aren't we? Right now, Sam Raimi." Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
But uh, was there, um, so with these stories, are you focusing on a particular moment in her life? Or are you giving more of a biographical kind of like, here's the overall perspective? No, at first, I, at first I was, I was toying with that. Cause she actually, I mean, she, she was so well known um, back in the fifties that there was a, this is your life episode about her. Oh, really? And so yeah, there was, she was actually, you know, she, you know she, she became, she actually was working the black Dahlia case and for unknown reasons got pulled off of it, mm-hmm. um, put back on and then got pulled off a second time and made editor. Uh, and, but it was only two years later that she actually wrote a book called Newspaper Women. Newspaper Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so she she did have a This Is Your Life. But no, I think um, one one of the aspects of like one of, the, of of Aggie that I find fascinating is the way she could would report on on women's stories and the way she would interact with women. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the aspect that I'm I'm probably going to focus on. Um, you know, there was one, one, one case in particular, there was a gal named Nellie Madison who, um, you know, she was kind of a scandalous woman in that she was married like five times, uh, hmm. you know. <laughs> but, but her last husband was incredibly abusive and she feared for her life. And one night they got into a fight and he started throwing knives at her and she had purchased a gun. And so she shot him oh. and it wasn't self, it, it wasn't self defense, but I think largely there was this bias against her, like as a loose woman who had been married multiple times and she was sentenced to hang. Oh. And I think Aggie thought that it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't fair because it was self-defense. And so she actually um, helped kind of lobby a public campaign and, and uh, developed a lot of sympathy for her. And Nellie's sentence was eventually commuted to life in prison. And then she was, um, actually ended up getting released, I think, after serving maybe 15 years or so. Um, so she, so, you know, Aggie, Aggie would, would report on the women criminals who are, you know, a lot of them are fascinating, but I think in, in some ways she was also an advocate for, for women. Yeah, she, she, yeah, it seems like she just became kind of uh, Nellie's champion and so took up the cause. <laughs> she did, she did. And there, there was another gal, um, Louise Pete, who was pretty awful and, and murdered quite a few people before it all caught up with her. But after she was caught, uh, all of the reporters were trying to to get the story and saying, you know, Louise, Louise. And, you know, Aggie was able to size up the situation and identify that this woman, even though she was like this horrible murderer, still fancied herself a lady. Mm. And so would call her like Miss Pete. And the woman responded positively. And so Aggie ended up sitting next to her throughout her trial. And then when she was given the death sentence, Miss Pete turned to Aggie, like clipped her under the chin, and said, "No, honey, don't cry." Oh so my she, God! Yeah, so she really you know, ended up, um, yeah, having like you know, ha- having a rapport with these women she reported on, no, no matter what their their moral character was. Um, but I do think that that's a really interesting aspect, and you know, and she was able to use, you know, again, she was you know, in a in a man's quote unquote man's profession, but she was, I think, able to use her gender to her advantage a lot of the time. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very interesting that she's basically, like, uh, humanizing uh, people who, you know, if, if these are male reporters, then they already have their, you know, their biases, you know, how, how this already works out. Like, oh, the loose women, like, obviously they're like yeah. this, um, which is real. yeah, that's really fascinating. Like, that, now I really want to read this. <laughs> yeah, she's fascinating, you know, and I think she's, she, she, when people talk, 
talk about her, it's because, you know, she served that role as editor, that she was an editor of the city desk for so many years. And, you know, she kept baseball bat at her desk for when publicists got out of control and had a starter pistol that she would shoot off, I guess, occasionally if the newsroom got too out of control. Okay, but, um, I automatically I, love her. So. She, oh, yeah, she's, she's amazing. But, um, but I actually think uh, when she was a reporter, I think her, her reporting is actually – you know, really fascinating, and you know, and I also have, you know, in, in a manner of speaking, kind of a personal connection to her because she worked most of her career was spent at the Los Angeles Herald, mm-hmm. um, which in 1962 merged with the Examiner to become the Herald Examiner. Mm-hmm. And so, my, my job as an archivist is I oversee the photo collection for the Los Angeles Public Library, and so we actually have um, the photo archive for the Los Angeles Herald and the Herald Examiner. So, I encounter Aggie on a regular basis through the photographs and um, a lot of the in her book that I mentioned newspaper woman a lot of the cases that she she, she talks about cases and she talks about very specific photos and these are things that we have in the collection that I deal with every day and so I definitely have um, I feel like I have like a connection to her through those photographs that is really cool. I mean, just really it cool. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's really special. And, and, you know, and I was tr- a good friend of mine, um, her name's Joan, and she's a, like an L.A. crime historian, and she gets, she shows up on like TV shows like Deadly Twins and, mm. you know, Deadly Women and Deadly <laughs> This and That. But she was the one who actually really turned me on to Aggie. Mm-hmm. And we actually curated, she curated an exhibit for me um, at the library about two years ago so um yeah so Aggie's just you know she's she's definitely a regular part of my life and you know has <laughs> and so it, I just look forward to bringing her to other people that's awesome um do you already uh, I don't think it's been announced yet but do you know who your artist is yes I do it is um John Davis Hunt okay and, and you're have you guys been uh, exchanging like you know do you have ideas like how this is going like how collaborative are you with your with your artists yeah we've already started um yeah so I already uh he, he's in the UK so I, I I have a book we the, the exhibit that I mentioned we had an exhibit catalog that had a bunch of photos so it's in the mail it's on the way to him and mm-hmm. so we've been going back and forth and he's already um I think completely riveted by Aggie and really excited um to to dive in and get going Cool. Um, and are there, so you said, uh, was it, it was newspaper women, uh, that she wrote? Newspaper woman. Woman. Is, there we is, go. Yeah. Newspaper woman. Um, yeah, it was published in 1949. So it is out of print, but you know, sometimes I, I, I scored a copy on eight books at one point. So, mm-hmm. um, you can get it. And if you're in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles public library has a couple of copies that can be checked out. Um, yeah. Um, I, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh no. And I'm just saying that, you know, and, and I, I definitely, um, I definitely recommend it. It was ghost written, so I don't know how much of it is like a hundred percent her. Mm. Um, and, and interestingly, the very first line of the book is something along the lines of "I am not a feminist," which I think <laughs> oh, is God. is really interesting. Um, but it does seem like the women who like really tend to you know to to, to, to be those trailblazers mm-hmm. tend to tend to not think of themselves as such. I think I don't think she thought of herself as somebody who was you know breaking the glass ceiling in her profession. She just wanted to be a reporter. Yeah, no, I think I, that that's how she saw herself. That's interesting. Yeah, how waves of feminism actually work, where the the especially like we we're in the middle of are we in the middle of third wave? Have we gotten into the fourth wave yet? And I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, so it's like one wave just kind of looks at the other wave and is just going like, nah, I'm not like that at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing what I'm doing. Proto-feminism before it was. And so, yeah, um, other than um, her, her ghost-written book, is there anything you would recommend other people look to, to if they want to have more information on, uh, on Aggie? Well, they can. The, um, the exhibit catalog that I talked about is actually, it's a nice little compilation of its photos from our photo collection. And it's also brief essays about the cases um, that was written by, by Joan Renner. And it's called The First with the Latest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually available on Amazon. And um, profits from that book uh, benefit Photo Friends, which is a nonprofit group that supports the photo collection. So I'm giving my photo friends a little plug there you can go on amazon and it's only 15 dollars, um, and it actually supports the photo collection um through photo friends sweet no i'll i'll link it uh when this podcast actually goes up i'll put all those links in there and everything so people will have access to it yeah please do and i can actually as as a librarian i generally don't recommend wikipedia um <laughs> but the aggie underwood wikipedia page was was written by 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 joan renner who's who's kind of the aggie expert inspired me so I, I trust the wikipedia page you, you know that that one was uh, was peer edited and is just perfectly fine so. yes that that one is accurate as Trusted long as nobody's source. messed with what she wrote that that one is, is good I, I will recommend wikipedia i will do that often though <laughs> first time rec- recommended wikipedia page i think i think it is the first time <laughs> i used to i used to um grade papers in college and grad school and so watching people try to cite wikipedia after i explicitly told them not to it was just like oh sweetheart no uh, i i salute you for not allowing them to do that it's like it's a good starting point but i want real sources yeah exactly uh so as we're as we're going to wrap this up uh what is it that you actually would like people to take away from uh, aggie's story or from femme magnifique in general yeah, I think overall, um, you know, I, I don't. I, I think we all have the tendency to think of women from you know p- particular eras, and I think underestimate them. You mm-hmm. know, and, and a great example is one of the, the photo collections um, that we have within our larger collection at the library is another newspaper collection, the Valley Times, and it's it's a post war um, newspaper archive, and so. When I went in to start organizing it, I had a preconceived notion that I was going to find, you know, June Cleaver and Donna Reed because that's what the post-war woman was, mm-hmm. that she was she was the, the, the consummate housewife and she was, you know, part of the PTA. And, and as I started going through the collection, that woman was definitely there because that was certainly a role that women served. But there were also, you know, architects and business owners and rocket scientists mm-hmm. and, you know, just this... And, you know, a, a, um, you know, landscape architects and just you know stockbrokers. You know, every profession that you could think of, every profession that a man was doing, there were also women counterparts doing it. And so, I think that's one of the the points of this anthology is to show that throughout history, um, women have always assumed a variety of jobs and not just been this one thing that you might think they were. Oh. And I hope that's what people end up with that women 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 can do anything and and we have been for a long time yeah we're 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 always we've always been there like whenever someone is like man where were the women when this was happening like they were there they were there they were doing it (laughs) 
Well, that's great. Um, Christina, before we go then, where can people uh, find you online? Um, and do you have any, uh, I guess, conventions or uh, things you want to plug coming up? Yeah, gosh, do I have anything coming up? Well, my Twitter handle is Christina Rice. I, I managed to do that really early on. <laughs> um, uh, but I have uh, two websites. I have andavorak.com. That's D-V-O-R-A-K, if you want to learn more about Anne. And also uh, ChristinaRiceWrites.com is my my formal author website. Um, I'm actually going to be at a convention in Kentucky in March. Um, Yeah, I'm getting flown out for that. So that's like March 11th, 12th, and 13th, I think. Mm -hmm. And then for, for those of you in Los Angeles, on March 18th, Um, At the Vernon Branch Library, which is part of the Los Angeles Public Library System, I'm participating in a Women in Comics panel. And um, I know Cecil Castellucci is going to be there, Christina Strain, a couple of other gals. It should be really interesting. And IDW um, sent me a ton of pony swag. So we're going to have lots of my little pony stuff to give out at the Women in Comics panel on March 18th at the Vernon Branch Library. Excellent. Cool. And I guess, uh, which is your favorite pony? to write while we're while you're here (laughs) my favorite pony to write well like my favorite pony my favorite pony is twilight sparkle Mm -hmm. um but i i gosh at this point i think i actually like rainbow dash like i didn't really think i liked rainbow dash that much Mm -hmm. but that's actually turned out to be um the pony that i've gotten like the most positive feedback on for for writing about her so uh i guess i guess i'm pretty good at rainbow dash cool not uh but a personal favorite is applejack so just putting that out there <laughs> really Why I, applejack? I, I don't know there's just something about like she's she feels just just as spirited to me but uh also kind of practical you know i don't know yeah i, I have to go with twilight because just because of the whole library angle yeah I can, I can see that too yeah yeah but but I but I've also um, the the Flim Flam Brothers. I read a comic with the Flim Flam Brothers, and actually, I, I really liked I really liked them. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. Yes, the, the Flim Flam Brothers really do. There we go. <laughs> well, Christina, thank you so much for being on uh, on the podcast, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for Femme Magnifique and and what's going to come out of it. Yeah, me too. I can't. I, I can't because I don't even know what all the stories are. So as I've been, as, as the the um, story subjects have been have been leaking out, I've been getting really excited. I think somebody's going to do Shirley Chisholm, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, so. uh, uh, yeah, Rory, uh, Rory Darian, she's going to be doing that. That is amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. I know <laughs> so it's like super, ex- especially as they kind of start revealing who's doing what. You're just like, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, this is this is just a really really cool project, and it's just really heartening um, to see the Kickstarter take off at, as quickly as it did. So yeah. so yeah, it looks like I will definitely be writing about Aggie. I'm excited. Huzzah! Uh, we're, we'll we'll just technically be formally starting here. Uh, Tess Fowler, welcome to that girl with the curls. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yay. Um, and uh, basically, the the reason you're here for now, I mean, I feel like we will end up doing a, a much longer conversation about many other <laughs> things in the future. Um, I'm just putting that out there and putting you on the spot now uh, about that. <laughs> right on. But uh, the I'm in. I'm in. Whatever it is. Excellent. Awesome. Okay. Right there, you sounded like my best friend Tiffany. So. 
uh, now it'll be really hard for me to not like just start running into whatever I usually talk to her about. So. <laughs> Uh, but the reason you're here, technically, is uh, you are involved with the Femme Magnifique uh, Kickstarter and book that is definitely going to be Kickstart funded uh, soon. Yes, ma'am. And I am having so much fun. It seems, yeah, I've seen some of the, they, they have your work uh, up there on the site right now on the Kickstarter page. Um, and uh, I, the first question I really wanted to ask you is how did you actually get involved with Femme Magnifique? Well, Miss Shelley Bond if, is absolutely um, can talk me into anything. And when she called upon me to do this um, and uh, a couple other secret things, uh, I absolutely jumped in with both feet and said yes. Um, this one specifically because she was asking for uh, women, you know, women I admire. Um, women who have, have broken through the glass ceiling, um, women who inspire others. So I immediately was like, yes, I'm in, lead the way. Uh, this, this was so exciting. Um, I, I wish I could have done more. Thus far, I've done uh, one short, and I did the cover. I saw so. it on the cover. I was like, that's Tess. She did it right there. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, it's, you have such a distinctive style, so it's always fun to see it. You're like, oh my God, tested that. What? <laughs> Thank you. I see it on my wall every day, too. So, <laughs> true, true. Uh, I mean, so with the glass ceiling uh, bit, and these are basically kind of like, um, not very well known stories, because uh, I, I know that you're doing a cat black, right? Yes, and Kat is the coolest person you could ever possibly follow on social media or meet in person. She is, like, I just, I can't help but gush. She's one of my heroes. She's one of those people who took the the platform. She, I mean, I found her on Facebook, mm-hmm. and she does not only YouTube videos, she's like, you know, huge YouTube star, but she also just sits and talks on Facebook Live. And it's so cool. Like, you know, sometimes she's just talking about, oh, look, what am I cooking? But then she will launch into, you know, over a a, a skillet full of food. She will talk to her phone about feminism and and racism and transphobia and, um, you know, LGBTQIA issues. And it's amazing because she is so well-spoken and so... Um, over the top passionate mm-hmm. that the second I, I, you know, I started following her on Facebook, like my life changed. I was like, Oh wow. There are women out here right now who make sense in this chaotic, you know, uh, uh, maddening world. Yeah. There are people who women who are like, Hey, no worries. I'm, I'm leading the way. And I, I couldn't help but jump at the opportunity to just say thank you in art form to her. And there were, of course, so many other women I wanted to to draw and, and you know, put onto paper. But she absolutely was at the forefront of my mind. Um, and what's awesome about Femme Magnifique, I'm so sorry to be ranting. No, um, what's awesome about Femme Magnifique is that these are a lot of these are stories of women you may not have heard of. Mm-hmm. 
these are these are stories of women who uh, uh, you know, they're not necessarily teaching you about in history books, or if they are, this is just a little bit more information. This is, and plus, oh my goodness, some of the artists that are in here alongside of me are just not to be believed. I mean, it's it's so cool. Yeah, so definitely. I'm so sorry for gushing. <laughs> gush away no there's it's a who's who of the uh, comic book you know writing artist world i mean like i love how they're kind of parsing it out like every day we're going to reveal to you a story it's like oh my god now you're just making me want this more and more because we've got like nine up right now and that hasn't even like scratched the surface of who's involved with this uh exactly so it's it's yeah it's so cool to kind of see more and more people who i mean a lot of you know, people like me who are in the comic book world and, you know, and have interviewed a lot of people for this podcast and, and everything to see them show up and be like, oh, I know that person. Oh, my God. I know that person. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. And now with your story about Kat, I mean, not to like get into spoilers or anything, but are you doing more? You said a thank you to her. Are you doing more like a, a moment in her life or an overall kind of? Or it, it seemed from the artwork that they've got up there that's a bit more autobiographical about how you came in contact with her? Um, it, it technically is one really long thank you, which is also informative. Um, it was ve- It's very hard to decide with someone like Kat, like, what are you going to put on paper? Because she does so much. So I wanted to touch on, you know, all of the cool stuff that she does for the world, for, you know, the community. But I also wanted to just pour my heart out to her because she changed my life. Mm -hmm. She gave me so much hope. And that's what I feel like she could give to those who don't necessarily know her name yet. Um, I actually, um, I do follow her on, on Facebook as well. And it's, it's, it's just so refreshing to see just people who are, I mean, I, it, it's weird because you, you want to think of yourself as brave and then you see people who are like out there doing things. You're like, wow. It's just like, wow. (laughs) You're doing exactly. Exactly. And she's, you know, a good 10 years younger than I am. And I'm like, I want to grow up to be like you. Like you are so cool mm-hmm. and she's changing lives. And you know, I'm like, I'm making I'm making comics for a living, man. I am I am not as cool as this. So Well, you're pretty cool to meet Tess. I'm just gonna put that in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so, uh yeah, that I mean that just sounds so awesome. I mean and I, what I am loving about because doing these interviews and then just looking at how people are approaching the project, like you're doing more of a like a general thank you to Kat while like showing how much she means to you, um, whereas others are doing like straight biographical, uh, yeah. choosing a moment in time or something like that. So it's that's what I'm really looking forward to with this with this um, anthology is like all the ways that these women can be presented um, throughout history and time and just like here's just an iota of what is so cool about them. Exactly. And my, my hope with it is that by, you know, by having this all in, in one spot that we will inspire people to learn more. 
about like, oh, wow, this is really, this person is really cool. Let me, you know, go hit Google. Let me go buy one of their books. Let me go buy their music. Let me go, you know, learn a little bit more. Yeah. No, I, you know, you guys should just put a bibliography together at the end of the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's all the websites you can go to. Like, you know, it, I come from a background of writing a lot of history papers. Don't get me wrong. So the... Uh, <laughs> The bibliography and the the footnotes was always a big deal. <laughs> it's like an annotated bibliography. Here you go. Exactly. <laughs> Make it real accessible right here. The more you know, because knowledge is power. So. <laughs> Gee, Joe. Um. So th- these are kind of run. These are running a bit short. Um. With this, because it's obviously like focused on on the one thing. But I do want to ask you a couple of critical role questions just because you're so, okay. you're vocal in that community and you are my pusher. So there we go. Yes. The meat of the interview. And because, you're, I mean, your artwork is always, I mean, as, as always, it's gorgeous. And I love the deal yeah. that you do. And, and they're, again, the expressions are so amazing. Um, so... I guess what what is your thoughts about Scanlan uh, taking a little break there? I was so upset. Oh my gosh, I was heartbroken. I literally sit and yell at the TV. We have it, you know, Twitch on Xbox, so we put it on the big screen TV. And I was so upset. I turned around from my art table to stare at the TV, and I was like, "He's not. He's not. No, he's not." And Chris was going, "Oh my." no it's fine he's you know he's got a lot of work to do it'll be fine I'm like it's not fine what's happening and of course I'm in the critical role tag on Twitter I'm live tweeting and I'm angry and I'm upset and then you have you know Liam O'Brien and Talzin Yaffe who decide to just go full-on improv and pour their hearts out so of course I'm like halfway in tears like Dude, you're breaking up the Beatles. What's happening? And then so I, once he was gone and we realized it was real, I'm online furiously typing with people, this really just happened. Oh, my God. Sam's coming back, right? I don't understand. And then for him to turn around and spoilers, spoilers, anyone who has not watched the episode, turn us off now. Um to have him turn around and bust out this other character mm-hmm. i yelling at the TV, no! No! He is the ultimate troll! Yep. I feel personally victimized by Sam Rival because he's, and he's so good. I swear he is like real life Scanlan. He is so good at it. Yeah. And I love that about the show because they are all so talented, especially with the improvisation, and they just, you know, yank the emotions out of you. But above and beyond that, I mean, as people, they are obviously such good people and such interesting human beings on their own. Like, having that leak over into the characters is so fun. Oh my gosh! But yeah, Scanlan, I, he he better come back, or else I'm revol- I'm revolting. I feel yeah. I'm it always yeah, because I mean, in the same way that like Talison, um, there there you, you never quite know what he's gonna do sometimes, like where he's gonna go. Like I was kind of worried about the the Vex Percy thing because I was like, I don't know if Talison's doing this because he knows that the fandom maybe wants it or. <laughs> 
like how he's playing it he seems a lot more of the like the the schemer in his own way like um but yeah with sam it's just much more like i know he's doing this you know because he i mean i i, I believe that he knows what scanlon would do but at the same time it's like you know maybe they could have worked it out if you'd stuck around a little longer <laughs> kaylee joins the band i don't know <laughs> Tyrion is ridiculously and already like likable in his despicable way. I hated him for about five minutes, mm-hmm. and then I just fell madly in love, and I was like, "Wow, well, we can't lose him! Like he's amazing." I, I, I drew him like the first night. I drew him and Dodie the first night. I had to, and I just I curse Sam's name though, even now, because it's like. How dare you? How dare you invade like this? Invade my emotions. I feel so so used, but I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm wondering how long it's going to go. Like, if he's going to, like, put Tarion through the paces, or if it's just going to be, like, what the first fight he really gets into, it's, like, one and done. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my God. I don't know if he just needed, like, a break. Probably. Or if he was just, like, let's watch everybody squirm. I think... Well, I, I, have no idea and i'm i'm so delighted by the fact that i'm confused and muddled every thursday (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no the the, this most recent episode with the spoilers ugly cry moment like the (laughs) (laughs) dad doesn't like me (laughs) when they they hazed him i was screaming i was like yes beat his ass I I'm honestly I'm I'm kind of intrigued by how Vex is taking this whole thing too. Um like, like just Vex about... is like having so many of my reactions mm-hmm. with him. She's just like, no, no, I'm not no, take him away. But her in that episode, her her apology to Grog mm-hmm. just was one of my favorite Laura Travis moments of the whole show because the way that they play off of each other mm-hmm. in in improv is so brilliant, and I wish they had more moments together because they are just so incredibly quick with each other. Like, he said something in the middle, almost under his breath, like, freezing, mm-hmm. and you see her catch it, like, I, oh, oh, he got me. <laughs> but they just keep right on going. The rhythm of it is is so fun to watch. So... And I'm so sorry, I could gush on this forever. I'm... No, when, when you come back on, we'll probably talk more about Critical Role than anything else. <laughs> yes, oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably, we'll get a little bit more on task. I mean, there's really, um, we're just kind of wrapping it up with, with this anyway. Okay. Because, uh, I, I suppose people will listen to this and be like, not only is Tess awesome and is picking a, a really amazing person for her story, but she also is making Critical Role sound amazing. <laughs> I am a walking Critical Role commercial. It is so sad. It's a two birds, one stone type situation. <laughs> but uh, while we wrap this up, uh, what is it that you would like people to take away from, if not your story, then from Femme Magnifique as a whole? I would like people to, once they go cover to cover on this, I would like them to understand, if they didn't already, um, that the, how do I put this and and not take an hour of your time, Um, 
I would like people to better understand the contributions of women mm-hmm. to the world at large. And I would like a little light to go on in their brain that every time the TV comes on and I'm going to get political, that giant orange Cheeto has something to say or one of his lackeys has something to say about women and women's rights. I I really, maybe this is just a tall order. I would like something in them to click and go, you know what? That's bullshit. That's bullshit. I want them to have this this beautiful little tome on their shelf that they can look at. And every time they look at it, I want them to feel that sense of wonder at what women contribute to the world. And the fact that Shelley Bond has led this adventure, has put this together. I want them to remember that too. Brian and Christy Miller are, of course, uh, an integral part of the team. Christy, especially herself, is amazing. Um, but Shelley Bond is one of those people who, one of those women who um, fights for the underdog, yeah. who has a very strong, passionate belief system, believes in women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, And the fact that she took it upon herself to do this, to inspire the rest of us, to put out the call, the call to arms. I want people to remember that too, because this is a woman right now, present day in comics, Mm -hmm. in comics. She's one of our own who is, really doing awesome things and has been for 25 years. Um, And really, I feel like has (sighs) goes severely. um, What's the word? Um, What is the word I'm looking for? Underappreciate. Yeah. Okay. That was a long answer. I apologize. (laughs) Don't don't worry about it. We'll edit it in post. No, we won't. (laughs) I edit nothing. (laughs) No, that's that's a beautiful answer, and I feel like that's that's a great way of describing um, the overall feeling that I think a lot of people will take away from this. I mean, that's my hope, but um, I'm also biased towards this stuff anyway. So you, you're preaching. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's awesome, Tess, and I'm so glad that we finally got to chat uh, and and talk to each other, and it'll happen again. Be assured, you know, every, everyone who's listening, Tess will be back on the show. <laughs> Um, so before we go, do you have, uh, where can people find you online and, um, do you have anything, uh, like books or conventions coming up that you would like to promote? Um, people can find me everywhere online. I am literally on every platform, but if you want to interact with me directly, personally, hit me up on Twitter. Um, just search my name, Tess Fowler. Uh, that is the best way. And I'm very responsive and very talkative. Um, you know, I, I, at your own peril, I guess. Um, as far as work stuff, uh, that is still under wraps, but huge, wonderful, awesome things are coming. Yay. Excellent. I will read all of those things and tell you how awesome they are. <laughs> Yay. Just letting you know. I was going to put that up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. And I'm totally just excited for all the work that's happening and what you're doing and, and everything that Shelly's put together as well. So thank you so much for doing this. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. For, uh, for shits and giggles, uh, Cecil uh, Castellucci, welcome to That Girl with the Curls. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I've I've been real excited. Like, oh, there's so many people who wanted to uh, to to talk about this project, so I'm super excited about each and every one of you. It's so awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a great project. I mm-hmm. mean, Shelley, first of all, puts together a great book all the time. But like, um, but I mean, I think this project, like with all the different women that are being selected to be talked about, and also all the just creators. I mean, it's such a stellar you know, starry sky of authors and illustrators. It's just incredible. No, I, yeah, I was, when I, the Kickstarter page went live, I was looking at it and just, I love how they're revealing like one a day kind of things. Like let's tease it and tease it. Like, no, I can't handle the suspense. And then I'm always like, Oh, that person. Oh. And then I like Google or like whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't know the person and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's like, super yeah it's super fascinating yeah i was asking uh because i talked to tess this morning and i was asking her about like is there an annotated bibliography or something like i feel like a lot of these people if especially if they're not well known you know you could be like okay and here's some books you could read and here's some clips and something like that that's actually that's a really good idea i mean shelly should i'm sure she will have something like that Mm -hmm. you know i mean but i think at the end i mean like i know at the end of my story i picked sally ride Mm -hmm. and like at the end of my story like you know like there's like a little caption that says like you know here's what she did here's what you know like she's you know was a big advocate of women um you know, in science, especially, you know, um, girls and like founded the Sally Ride, you know, Science Institute. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I think like at the end of each one, I mean, Shelly's a smart girl. Yeah. Like, you know, like that they will be like, you know, sort of summary of why this person is like cool or important. Kind of you like know, a, and also uh, that's what, you know, it's like, I think with anthologies, sometimes people, you know, they just kind of go to the thing that they gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and there could be like some the more you know kind of little thing like that little star going by like here's some extra stuff you could look at and yeah. I'm always cool because I'm a I'm a historian and an archivist so like seeing that kind of stuff we're like oh good more information I'm always happy yeah. about that. <laughs> I think what seems to be really special about this one is that it's really it it sort of feels like it's the personal story about why that woman is important to you I mean Mm -hmm. for me I know like I wrote my story and it was like why Sally Ride was a influence to me or why she was a she's a muse or you Mm -hmm. know um, to me and so so I feel like it's not just like a straight biography kind of thing it's like sort of more like how how a person how a woman impacts you in particular you know yeah and that makes it universal well in that vein I mean with I mean if I don't know if it's really a spoiler thing to talk about Sally Ride and like her influence on you, but like what, what was the motivating factor behind uh, doing Sally Ride? Well, I'm a very big space enthusiast. Mm -hmm. Um, I absolutely adore outer space and um, like, I'm always um, aware of who's on the international space station. Like right Mm -hmm. now it's Peggy, um, Peggy Whitson. And uh, so I just always, uh, I just have always really loved outer, outer space. And, um, and I think for, for me, it was like, 
you know, when I was growing up, a lot of the times when you saw the astronauts, they were all boys, Mm -hmm. you know, and so when Sally blasted off, it was like, finally, I was going to space, you know, and so, um, and I think that, like, the whole sort of uh, NASA shuttle program, you know, really, because I came of age during that time, really, um, sort of cemented itself as space being a, um, amuse for me and Mm -hmm. you know continues to be inspirational and um and stuff like that because you write a lot of sci-fi fantasy or mostly sci-fi uh stories that tend to involve kind of the uh exploration of of space and effect on people yeah Mm -hmm. and actually you know it's like um for my novel tin star um i had a spacewalking scene and i reached out to nasa and nasa um you know, connected me with an astronaut who's a spacewalking expert, Ooh. and I got to talk to him, and actually we've become friends um, since our first conversation. His name is Rick Mastracchio. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was able to ask him a bunch of questions. Now, of course, like, you know, my book was fiction, but it was really great to, like, have some kind of base for the um, scene that I was doing that was like sort of a real, you know, thing. And I, I'm, I just, I love science a lot. And, um, you know, I feel like with fiction, especially with science fiction, that it's really great to sort of springboard from sort of, uh, you know, real science things. I find mm-hmm. science to be inspirational uh, for storytelling. Yeah. So. Do, you, do you like to go more hard sci-fi or do you like to go a little bit like, ah, the, the mechanics are a bit loosey-goosey on that one? Well, I mean, I guess it's sort of like what I would call a hybrid because, like, uh, for uh, you know, Tin Star is the easiest example because it's the one that I've been talking about all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, one thing that always bugged me uh, in um, science—one thing that always bugs me in like science fiction um, things where you've got uh, multi-species um, sort of hanging out. So, Tin Star is a, a space station. Um, Uh, at a brink of a galactic war and there are many many species that are living there Mm -hmm. and it always bothered me because it was like well there clearly are different gravities clearly different atmospheres how Mm -hmm. come everybody can just breathe and walk and it's no big deal so i was like okay well how about in i decided that there must be like a base atmosphere where life springs up Mm -hmm. you know has these certain elements in it some more some less and what if you had like nano technology that you could purchase that would regulate your lungs to be able to like breathe a base atmosphere on any spaceship or space station Mm -hmm. that way you could have most of the species not have a mask yeah uh or like wear a spacesuit and that way you know it sort of made more sense so it's that's not a that's not hard science fiction Mm -hmm. but it kind of comes from like thinking about things in a logical fashion yeah you know what I mean? trying like, to, so, to ground your reality exactly trying to ground the reality and just sort of say well you know nanotechnology you know it is conceivable that nanotechnology could regulate the gases in your i mean that could why not you know i mean you know it, it's possible someone might do that one day so um so you know that was i mean look they're already doing crispr you know where they can like you know um edit genes and stuff like that so you know there's a lot of things that are in science that you just take it and you kind of tweak it or like make it to the fiction mm-hmm. and um yeah but i don't do hard sci-fi like in the sense where it's like this is how fast the, the propulsion system is or yeah. what that's not my jam but um but I don't like it to just be hand wavy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's always the thing with with sci-fi with me as well. Is like I don't care what you do as long as you establish rules. Like, because exactly. once that's there, then that's great because then I can follow your reality. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's what I'm into. And so, for a lot of that stuff, I go to uh, I go to I go to science. And you know, so my my love for for space, um, you know, stems from Star Wars. That was like sort of the first you know, um, big Star Wars thing, Star Trek as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then like, I think that, you know, you know, when the shuttle program started, uh, it just became something that was, uh, you know, like a real thing. Like people Mm -hmm. were really going to outer space and stuff. And, um, and like I said, like, I'm always like, I follow all any astronaut that's on the space station. I'm following them on Twitter, you know? And, um, and I just am always like, you know, looking at all the space news and like looking at satellite pictures that, you know, JPL, NASA, all the, all the projects are like, you know, um, sending back curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, I just find it fascinating. And, um, and you know, so Sally Ride was my choice because she was a woman and she was the first American woman to go into space. And so for me, like I said, it was like, I, it was like, I finally got to see myself going to space. That's so cool. I mean, I know that we're getting into those discussions now of like, uh, regular people being able to go into space at some point and they're like Elon Musk and everything. Uh, will, will you be on the, the, the first shuttle that goes in with the passenger? (laughs) You know, if Virgin Galactic wants to give me a ticket, I don't have the $2 million, Mm. but I'm not going to say no. I'll be scared out of my mind. Right. Um, Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, uh, but yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because I remember like when we were, when I was young, people would say, oh, you know, when you grow up, we'll be having picnics on the moon and stuff like that, you Mm -hmm. know, or, um, and obviously that didn't happen, but I really do think that, you know, it's, it's fascinating to be in a time where, we explored our own solar system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we just saw pictures of Pluto yeah. for the first time last year, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, like Saturn's rings. And we've been exploring, like for my whole life, um, we've been exploring our solar system in a really detailed way. We've discussed, even though we already knew it, and mm-hmm. we can, you know, Galileo, like looking at the thing, but like we really <laughs> are, have explored, we've, it, this is space exploration of our home. Yeah. Um, and I find that just enormously amazing. Yeah. Any, anytime something from Saturn comes back, cause Saturn was like my planet of choice, I guess, growing yeah. up. Yeah. So it's like, look at the rings and look at how it forms and, and everything. So it's, yeah, I, I totally get that, you know, that, that deep abiding kind of like curiosity that we just have for what's, what's out there and beyond us. Yeah, you're going to have to, they're going to smash Cassini into Saturn pretty soon, I think. So you're going to have to watch that. Mm, definitely. Cool. Can I we watch it in real time? March or April? Ooh. Can we do it in like yeah. real time? Like, where you're just like. I mean, I, I think it, the images take a little bit of time to get back to we're, us. We're so. fine. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, that should be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so the, with uh, Sally Ride in mind then, um, when Sandy, oh, not Sandy, oh God, that's terrible. Shelly, when Shelly Vaughn came to you with this project, uh, it, what was it that uh, made you want to participate in Femme Magnifique? Well, first of all, I love Shelly mm-hmm. so much. And I mean, um, you know, she's the first person that I worked with in comics with the Plain Janes mm-hmm. for her amazingly 
uh, before it's time, uh, minx line of books. And, um, and I just, um, I mean, I'm a lady and I have a lot of ladies that I would like to give shout outs to, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, in, in terms of, you know, wh- who inspired me and stuff like that. And I think, I, I mean, it was just such a good idea. And I liked that it had that sort of twist of not just being like a straight, you know, bio, like three page bio of a person. Like it didn't feel stiff. It felt like it was going to be really organic and cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a no-brainer. It was like, as soon as she asked me, I was like, yes. I mean, and, and as you see, I mean, like, I mean, mine is, my my story, you know, you, can, you can't really read it, but it's already up on the Kickstarter page. You can see, like, a little, you know, like, it's one of the little samples. Like, yeah. I already wrote it. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> You're like, done. Done and done. <laughs> no, and uh, was, was Sally the first one you pitched, or did you have other, other women that you'd pitched to her? that's awesome I mean it and that always sticks with us like that first person that really like inspired us you know you're just kind of like I want to I want to be like that and so it's so cool that you now get to like make this little uh tribute to her yeah exactly yeah um and so uh we're, we're kind of around the the time that we'll wrap this up but uh what do you hope that people get from Femme Magnifique if not from your story then from the the anthology as a whole
it's good. Yeah. No, I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine about that because it's it's that idea that when you get that, you know, there's it's usually a guy who's just kind of like, man, where were girls like you and blah 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 blah. It's like, well, we've been here the whole time, you know. Yeah. You, yeah. you just weren't paying attention and didn't care. Yeah, and actually it's like, you know, it's like in every single sort of like cool group of any like, you know, any movement that ever happened in any kind of history, there was always one lady that was there too. So true. <laughs> there was like one, but she was somebody's lover sometimes, you know, but she was like in the room talking with people, doing the stuff, you know. <laughs> there was like, you know, she was like somebody's mom, she was like somebody's sister, she mm-hmm. was somebody's friend, she was just like her own, per- I mean, all of them being their own person, but there was always a lady in the room. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they were... Yeah, she was perceived, you know, is like, you know, is sort of the um, the different thing. I mean, just look look at that great movie, Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, like, you know, it's like we wouldn't have gotten to space without those ladies. Pretty much. But for a long time, nobody was talking about those ladies that were in the room. Well, and and exactly, it's it's the uh, the having the ability now to really tell those stories. And, and in a way that is not only digestible for people, I mean, these are very, these are short stories, but yeah. also makes them, you know, uh, digestible, accessible, um, and conveniently packaged in one book. <laughs> so. Yeah, I say, give me all the stories. I'm a greedy guts. I want all the stories. I want to see them. I want to read them. You know, I want to know about everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I'm with you on that one. Definitely. It's just like, there's got to be more. Just stuff it in my mouth. <laughs> like, Exactly. Like in my craw. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I'd be a little remiss if I didn't at least ask you a little bit about Shade the Changing Girl because it is such a a wonderful little comic over there for young animal. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those, especially like taking a character that was a male character and then giving it to a female character now and just how you can change the aspect of storytelling through that lens as well. Um, and then just looking at like mental, uh, I don't want to say mental illness so much, but just, uh, yeah. like how she processes the world. And in that, right. that, that just love the, the use of color and the use of storytelling and the art. It's just, it's such a really good book. So. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm, Marley have a really, really great time working on it together, and Kelly um, Fitzpatrick and her colors are just astounding. Mm. And, um, you know, and I'm going to sh- give a shout out to great Santa Timofonte, our letterist as well, because Yay. she does a good job differentiating the poetry and the, the, the different, uh, the different um, uh, things that are happening in uh, captions to keep the sort of story elements together. And, mm-hmm. um, and Gerard, who is just a joy to sort of have as like our uh, young animal captain um, of the fleet, the young mm-hmm. animal fleet. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's really, really fun to, um, to work on. Um, uh, y- you know, it's, it's, it's really fun to sort of get to fracture a character that is, um, a, a, you know, cult, cult beloved by many, many people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to sort of give nods and echoes to what came before, but to also like make it completely our own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is it's, it's really, I don't know. It's just, it's so special I, and for me to work on. It's yeah. just, it's just an absolute joy, you know? And, um, it's yeah, a, it's a joy to read. So <laughs> there you go. I hope you like what's coming down the pike because you know, because it's going to get crazy. Well, oh my God. <laughs> no. And, and what, like you mentioned with your, your letterer, 
it, you know, if you really want an example of how letterers really save comics and make it like, yeah, uh, if, if we didn't have them, it's like, no one would know what's happening. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, there's a, yeah, especially in shade where there's, you know, um, you know, there's the, the poetry that she's obsessed with. That's uh, you know, the rack shade poetry. And then there's her thoughts and then there's, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but mm. there's someone else's thoughts and, um, uh, you know, like, uh, and, and just, uh, there's a lot of moving parts. And so, you know, I think that, you know, that, that really comes into play. I mean, you know, Kelly's colors come into play. Marley's art and the way she pushes things off the panel are just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just absolutely astounding. I, like, I, I love it when artists break the structure of, uh, of the panels and everything. It's, I mean, I know a lot more people are doing it, but when it's done really well and it services the story in such a, in a unique way, it's, so awesome yeah and it's great because it's like you know it's like when you're dealing with a character whose whole superpower is madness and everything around her is mad Mm -hmm. you know um you can you know i can write panel one panel two panel three panel four which i do Mm -hmm. but like you know marley knows that that's just a suggestion (laughs) (laughs) it's a guideline she can just kind of like she can interpret that however she sees fit, and I mean, and cer- certainly I write in there like this will probably go mad, you know. But like I don't say <laughs> she walks into her own mouth, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you know, because like Marley just decides like from what I've said in the panel, like close up of her face, like you know that like oh it'd be cool if she had if 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 shade if Loma walked into she- into her own mouth or something, you know. Yeah. So it's just kind of it's kind of cool. Like it's a really great collaborative uh, Mm -hmm. process. And, you know, I mean, even though Shelly's no longer at DC, I mean, Shelly is the one who put together, um, the shade team. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, you know, she really knows how to like sort of put things together. I think very well. Very. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if not shade, then this femme magnifique thing is just completely like, Oh my God, so many people. (laughs) It's so cool. Um, and so, uh, first of all, Cecil, thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and and just being a part of this just rad book and everything. So, <laughs> um, before we go, where can people find you? And is there anything you would like to promote, like uh, a con or a book uh, that's coming up? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, okay. Well, first, you can find me on the internet on um, uh, at Twitter. I'm at Miss Cecil, mm-hmm. and my website is misscecil.com. And on Instagram, I'm Cecil Seaskull. So <laughs> I love it so it much. But it's, uh, yeah, Cecil Seaskull. Figure out how to spell that. It's there the ocean go. and what's in your head. Um, and I would, I have a new book coming out on Dark Horse. Um, it's a graphic novel. Uh, it's historical fiction. It takes place in 1932, and it's about a girl who runs away from home and dresses up as a boy and rides the rails as a hobo and, um, and sort of figures stuff out in America. Of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I'll be doing I'll, I'll be doing that, and then I'll be at WonderCon um, in Anaheim. Uh, that's upcoming. So okay, cool, excellent. Uh, once again, Cecil, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I'm looking forward to to everything you're doing right now. <laughs> so. Thanks so much, Sam. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and, and as always, goodbye, everybody. Bye, Découvrir ma liberté Oubliez donc tous vos clichés Bienvenue dans ma réalité
découvrir ma liberté. Oubliez donc tous vos clichés.